Lost and Mitch. G'day everybody, welcome back to another episode of Lost Mitch. Sorry it's been a while, it's been a crazy busy time. I've been moving house, doing renovations and trying to sort myself a new job because I'm facing redundancy soon, so it's been a, an exciting yet stressful time, so thanks for bearing with me and I uh, hope everyone's well. So last episode, I uh, spoke to the big, big G, um, Australian te- television presenter, a good storyteller, very award-winning uh, art uh, author as well. And he sold over 300 million copies of his books worldwide. So he was a great guest. Go back and have a listen to that one. And this week, we've got another amazing guest coming up, another guest out of the United States. And if you take your minds back to episode 20, I spoke to my friend Dan, a bit of a mentor of mine, and he's uh, recommended this this next gentleman, said he's a, a bit of a hero of his, and uh, my next gentleman He's a very talented musician. He runs and he started his own record company. Uh, he's made sound effects in music, video games, television, and film trailers. Uh, extremely talented. And he's also a sci-fi nerd, horror nerd, and just seems like an all-around good guy. And I'd uh, just like to introduce Mr. Sean Payne. Hey, how are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Whereabouts in the world Fine. do we find you at the moment, sir? This is Chicago, Illinois, and it seems like it's the official first day of winter here. Oh, really? <laughs> How cold yeah, are we talking? Like, well, this is like, okay, this is like the 40s, you know? Uh, so I guess, that it, you know, it, it, it's not freezing, but it's going to get freezing. <laughs> I live in a place called Orange, and it's my state's, one of the state's coldest places. And it's, I don't know what it would be in Fahrenheit, but it's still under 20 degrees here which it's ridiculous because it's nearly summer so hopefully we're able to get some favorable weather yeah um but yeah so i'm gonna give a shout out to dan dan was the one who put us in touch um he's uh yeah to the listeners he was a mining mentor of mine he's a good friend he's a good musician and he's actually said to me he's like he's always suggesting cool people to talk to and connect with and he said this guy He's impressive, uh, as I mentioned just before, some of your bona fides. But before we delve into your life, Sean, and sort of some of the achievements that you've done and how you got started in the music industry, just wanted to know if you'd like to join me first and having a quick bitchy with Mitchie. Sure. So it's as the name suggests, I usually let the, the guests go first if they want to have a kind bitch or if I can, I can, it's up to you. Would you like to go first? Well, I mean, I'm always up for bitching about the uh, uh, ironic watching of bad media i don't know <laughs> yeah shoot the shit man what it, what's on your mind well uh, i've just been a big enthusiast of low budget which is usually uh synonymous with uh laughable but i always find a certain charm to it and um i know a lot of people kind of can enjoy it derisively but you know that's something that i have uh a fondness for it takes me back to you know being a kid and watching bad alien ripoffs i love that whole subgenre of just like cheap alien knockoffs cheap terminator ripoffs (laughs) cheap predator ripoff there's nothing like a bit of nostalgia. What was um? What was so? What were those three franchises? Some of your favorites as a kid? Like, were you always attracted to like that sort of sci-fi alien sort of scary jumpy yeah. sort of genre? 
definitely yeah and it was definitely influential in like finding all the music that i liked and everything too i, I it was just something kind of embedded in my uh subconscious from a real early age because oh my parents just didn't really censor what i watched so i was like a three-year-old carving a pumpkin with my mom watching terminator you know <laughs> yeah oh actually today is uh is halloween so i dare say there'll be there'll be some trick-or-treaters later on i've got to go and get some some sweets from the store a bit later maybe yeah um, yeah i guess you know seeing those cheap knockoffs like it's funny you look back at movies of that era like you i know your first alien or the first predator or even uh what's you know that that franchise has got Mowgli and when, when they get wet after midnight, they turn into gremlins. Oh, the gremlins. That's it. Gremlins. Um, you look back at like those films and you look at the time you think the special effects are amazing. And you, you look back cringing now. It's funny how technology and things have changed over the, over the decades, but I'm, I was a fan too. I must admit. <laughs> and when you come across cheap, shitty knockoffs, it's, yeah, I'll it's feel even young. better. <laughs> do you so you like a bit of cringe a bit of bit of a cheesy sort of attempt at stuff yeah i mean that there, there's some sort of strange sincerity to it you know that i just uh i enjoy because on the side i've been you know a huge movie buff since i mean i was a kid that was my big first love the first thing i remember ever going out of my way to buy was the terminator 2 score tape when i was a kid and uh just playing that incessantly to the point that my mom eventually threw it away because she said it sounded like robot funeral music <laughs> and i'll never forget that because that kind of uh describes what i eventually got into cold mechanical sounds and <laughs> sci-fi soundscapes that was well, that was sort of one of the first movies that scared the absolute crap out of me. I remember trying to go to sleep and I close my eyes and I'll see the Terminator's red eyes and it scared the shit out of me. You asked my parents and I was petrified of like Terminators and stuff. Apparently I was no older than seven when it came out. I think it was circa 97 it was released. And I just, yeah, judgment that, 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 you know, that, that sound mm. oh, still gives me the creeps to this day. So Great oh, yeah. back, great movie. I guess well that was gonna answer my next question, sort of what's one of the first things you're a fan of, but I guess my quick bitch is I hate going into Christmas. Ten days beforehand, they want to make my department redundant because the company was bought out by another. I'm not gonna name who they are, but you just think, Oh my goodness, I'm just a number in a big conglomerate and it's shitty, shitty timing. So my bitch has just dropped been trying to sort myself out, get a new position and hopefully scream into the new year doing something that I enjoy. So that's my quick bitch of the day, I suppose. I hope it goes well for you, man. Thanks, man. It's, um, uh, yeah, it's, there's, there's some options coming up, so not without some options at the moment, but anyways, that's enough of that negativity. So one of your first fandoms was that, as you just said, like your Terminators, your soundscapes and what have you. So what, what started you on this trajectory to start your own music label? Like, have you, like, were you in bands as a kid? Like what, 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 what were some of your other influences as well? Um, 
it just kind of sort of evolved from uh, an initial artist collective idea where it was like, well, there's a lot of people that I enjoy hearing. Uh, so I started putting out compilations of uh, underground industrial electronic artists in the early 2000s. And that led to some pretty fun releases with people. Um, and then we've kept that alive. Uh, our, our main output's been the band Cyanotic, and that's been my audio baby since uh, 2000, Jesus, 2001, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And we've been releasing things commercially since 2003, so... This is our 20th year officially. Yeah, cool. Congrats. That's awesome. So Thanks, man. I was just listening to some of your music before. It was, it's, it's, as as you just said, like I heard it was this awesome metal sending soundscape. And like that's something I could easily listen to if I was working on something. Um, the last sort of 45 minutes, I've been enjoying it. So with um with Cyanotic, uh, what's some of the, the cool projects you've been able to work on? Um, because you are the lead vocalist in the sound designer. Um, how was how did that project sort of kick off, and what are some of the cool memories associated with your time so far? Well, I guess when I first got a hold of a drum machine and a distortion pedal around eighth grade, I bought them off an older kid and just started playing around with that and sampling things from my television uh with like a cheap microphone and figuring out how to sample that into a machine um it's been a long weird trajectory of just going forward with a like a sci-fi leaning mindset to the music um always been a, a futurism enthusiast um and we've been able to do a lot of a lot of tours uh a lot of uh, some of the bigger influential bands for me like frontline assembly and um got to play uh a number of other projects because of this uh project um vampire anvil that was a project that i did with uh my mentor kind of music godfathers is Jason Novak from Acumen Nation and DJ Aki Craig. Um, I just grew up going to these shows uh, from pretty early age. Um, I think my first concert was 14. Um, and it was industrial music. So it just led to my uh, continuing path of, you know, just machine-led music, angry robot noises, as we just call them. <laughs> I once heard someone call uh, the Transformers music. Um, oh, I saw the Transformers movie dubstep, but they were, they were banging. So <laughs> it's like that was an interesting. <laughs> way. It's an interesting way to, to sort of describe it. Do you remember some some like amazing gigs that you got to play? Like, do some stand out in the time in your time of touring so far? I mean. Um... Definitely any of the times we've been featured at the Cold Waves Festival here in Chicago. Uh, that's a really special yearly concert they've been doing now for the past 
Oh, geez. 11 years. Um, and it was started as a uh, memorial for a good friend of ours who is our co-producer uh, on our last, uh, our 2010 albums that he worked on, uh, Jamie Duffy. And that's always uh, something that I'm looking forward to whenever we've been able to play those that giant uh space with just like a lot of good people um dillinger escape plan in uh 2004 the night before uh george bush jr was accepted here in office and it was a very politically uh harsh time um I'll just remember that because we got booed off stage. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was always a fun one, but it was opening for such a, you know, polar opposite kind of crowd. But uh, let me think. I mean, there have been probably, I think we played somewhere in the range of 500 shows or something at this yeah, point. Wow. That's, wow. <laughs> so it ends up kind of being like a bit of a blur but we've got a bunch of stuff in uh, the works for next year that I'm yeah. really excited about. Yeah, cool. And um, just speaking just before about off air, you uh, you've recently released an album. You got some music coming out, do you? Tell us yeah, that's uh, that's the after effect, and that's um, really cathartic, uh, sonic kind of experience for us. Um, I was in a pretty bad car accident. Uh, a really bad car accident in May. Uh, and my wife, Anastasia, was uh, killed. Oh, shit, man. And, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and I was uh, hospitalized and pretty messed up for a while. Got some hand, uh, arm, general fuckery. Uh, but... Um, this album was sort of getting through that whole experience in a way that I could find positivity through it, I guess. Yeah. And um, it's it was a really cathartic experience getting it all assembled and done with uh, the great band members that I have right now, Brad, Connor, Jesse, Dave, uh, super guys, uh, I, I I can't be thankful enough for the uh, amazing outpour of humanity. You know, I I I I've been bearer to in these past couple months, and now that we've um, got this album out, it's 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 just it's felt positive to get it out into the world. It, it felt like a necessary thing to finish up, so it was kind of like a a true labor of love. Yeah. Okay. And firstly. I'm very, very sorry for your loss. Um, that can't be easy. And and um, and also, I guess a follow-up question about the album is, was it different putting this one out because you had such like such a tragedy happen? Did it affect your music writing in a different way than it had previously to some previous songs that you'd put out? Or what were some of the differences, do you think, over time? I think that... This album is a little bit more contemplative. Uh, there's a bit more ambience and room for uh, the songs to kind of grow. 
And uh, it was especially nice to get a song and dedication to my late wife, uh, Anastasia. Yeah, there's a song called Anastasia Sands that was nice and, I mean, I'm going to keep using the word, but cathartic to get through. Um, so I guess with this album, I just focused a little bit more on trying to look at what's ahead in a, you know, brighter second chance sort of way than a lot of the other stuff that was fueled by, you know, general pissed off 20 year old kind of vitriol. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough, man. And that's, that's a, that's a nice little, nice ode to your wife, you know, Anastasia sends it sort of says it in two words. And um, if anyone wants to listen to, Sean's music. I'm going to put links to their YouTube and stuff in the bio. So you can definitely check out uh, the new album as well as some of the older stuff too. And I was curious, I wanted to ask you, um, in your time, you've also found a, you found glitch mode recordings since 2003 or 2002, I think you said, um, in the last 20 years, how has it been not only running your own band, but a successful music label? Can you tell us how, glitch mode recordings kicked off and um, sort of how it's transcended over the last 20 odd years. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's become a lot more um, homebound focused in the past year or two, because we finally found some bands in the area that we could start promoting and working with and producing. Um, initially it was really just about, putting out compilations of artists that we enjoyed and kind of building up our fan base that way. And then we released a number of other uh, artists that we helped foster their sound with them over the years. And as is a lot of cases, some like bands just don't last. We, we, we've kind of had a strange longevity because, well, I've been the, kind of sole uh, originator of it. Um, so I've added a lot of people over the years. Uh, and right now, uh, we're focusing on Cyanotic and Derision Cult, which is a band that we produce uh, hometown here in Chicago. And we're also acting as their live band. Uh, it's a good friend of ours dave he has been uh releasing music for a long time and we partnered up gave him an injection of robot noises uh and it's been just a really natural cool fit uh because for a while the label was sort of not a thing i i, I didn't really know what to do with it and it was really based on everyone was too spread out for anything to really happen too much uh, besides releases of compilations and whatever. So having it become focused more around just a core of a few people in the past few years has been really strengthening. And um, over, the, over the over the time, um, did COVID affect you badly at all? Like, were you, was that around the period that you thought, oh, what am I going to do here kind of thing? Because 
live music around the entire world took a hit. I assume it was the same in the United States. Um, oh, artists, yeah. Artists struggling to make a living and, um, you know, all sorts of mental illness affected a lot of people. Well, that's just what artists have said on my on my show, but I would imagine it was similar for you guys. Like, you, in a creative space, when you can't get together, I mean, a Zoom meeting only goes so far, but how did, um, how was COVID for you guys and in what ways did it sort of affect you in production? I mean, it definitely had its, uh, it, it, it definitely was a nut punch. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit. Uh, we were also in the middle of trying our hand at our first feature little fun sci-fi horror movie around that time. And, uh, Unfortunately, all the footage was pretty much destroyed. Uh, so there, there were a couple of, uh, yeah, there were a couple of bumps, and uh, then everything just started kind of evening out around. I guess it was last year. Uh, we went and did a few festivals, and that felt really nice to get out there with this new. Uh, souped up version of the band and um looking forward to doing some more this next year now it seems like everything's kind of getting a semblance of normality back together but yeah it was definitely a it was definitely a odd time i mean we would still get together and things but you know but yeah it was lock in place for a long time so it was a lot of uh, just sitting there and contemplating, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I bet, man. I, um, so I've spoken to some Australian musicians, and um, one of my favorite bands are known as the Jezebels. And I spoke to the lead singer, Haley, and she was like, yeah, this is a time where she, she, she went solo and released some songs in her own studio and taught herself music production and even did an online course to help sharpen a sound so she said if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have learned skills that i now can use as a solo artist so it, it, it's interesting what covid made us do and how we had to adapt in some ways i got some friends that had to uh, start working from home and change their whole style of business and it was a weird time and i hate uh, i'm very sorry to hear that people like yourself who you know work in in the space of live music and entertainment and stuff like that and hearing how negative it's been so that's shitty man and i'm glad to hear that you're a tour now and things are on the up um so that's good so that's some good news coming out of that and i'm just um just here on your cheeky little uh linkedin page and i wanted to ask you you're talking about some productions and stuff you've worked on it says that you've mm -hmm. you've been able to make some music and sound effects with some video, video games tv and film what's it like firstly how do you get your sound in in something like a video game and in what ways do you have to collaborate with the publishers to get your sound out there? I know that's a long-winded question. I apologize. Uh, well, it's been really, uh, it, it's been, it, it's, it's really a, it's, it's, it's chance and luck, I guess. I mean, we, we've luckily had some friends or fans that became friends, uh, who initially reached out to us to get involved with licensing and that placed us in a number of 
uh, online music catalogs and it's kind of just led from there and what's been strange is there really hasn't been a whole lot of like still feel pretty disconnected from that whole area uh even though i've been involved in it um because so much of it's just uh how do i say this it's like uh so much of it seems to be very nebulous when they send it to you. They just give you a very basic pitch and uh, you kind of just have to imagine what you're supposed to evoke, you know, for a sound or whatever. It, that was especially uh, obvious when we were doing some of the um, film trailer stuff about 10 years ago. Yeah, are you allowed yeah. to are you allowed to mention what sort of stuff you've worked on? Is the strike affecting uh, yeah. what you can mention um, at the moment? Or yeah, no, we worked on um, we worked on the trailers for a couple of movies, um, the Tom Cruise movie uh, "Live Die Repeat," but it got called "Edge of Tomorrow." We worked on that and. Uh, one of the Ninja Turtle reboots that happened, uh, which was cool because I'm like, that, that's a childhood. I was going to say, that's right <laughs> up, that'd be right up your alley, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. So that, that's a childhood favorite. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of random showing up in, in, in MTV shows in the background. We were in an episode of Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that it, it, but all of that's just been strangely like, uh, thanks to you know friends and fans, really, they've just reached out and been like, "Hey, you guys should be in things," and that was kind of you know that that that's that's a, it's a lifelong pursuit of mine. So I, I'm I'm always interested when stuff like that comes our way. It seems to be a lot easier for that to come our way than for us to search it out. Yeah. So you think uh, your time in industry, uh, you've you've been able to make a lot of connections during your shows and and what have you. Uh, is that one of the secrets? Do you think to having longevity? Because you've been at this for over twenty years now. Is that one of the one of the secrets, or not secrets, but is that one of the requirements to to have longevity in the entertainment industry? Do you think? I do definitely think that gives you a little bit of a leg up. I mean, that's definitely why I've kept with the cyanotic moniker for so long. It's just been, if I was going to, you know, if I was going to try and start a new project now, I, I don't even know how I would go about it. Like, I, I'm glad I've had a name to kind of rely on for the past two decades. And do you think the fact that you're also in charge of your own company as well, does that, has that helped you market and choose where you want to go? Or like, what are some of the advantages of being in charge of your own band and of your own company, like your own record company? What are some of the advantageous things about that? Do you think? Well, not being able to slather everything in hyperbole. I, I, I really don't like a bunch of, you know, copy and paste kind of, check out the 
brand new, exciting. I just, you know, I, I, I like just kind of plainly allowing uh, this stuff to get out there and, and, and build its own kind of identity from the listeners. Uh, and I think if we would have been more under another umbrella, it, it wouldn't have been easy to cultivate. We might have just got lost in that, you know, bogged down music press kind of like English lit grad kind of, you know, just espousing of uh, uh, buzzwords and such. I think one thing that we, we we've been able to just kind of keep with what we started wanting to do and not trying to follow a bunch of trends. Yeah, fair enough. And that's been definitely that that's definitely been helpful to keeping our sonic identity. Yeah, cool. I, I mean, I, not, I've got no skin in the game, but you, I read a lot of like musical journals and, and entertainment stuff. Like I follow pop culture a bit, and you get these big artists that say that they're forced to release an album by the record company and they don't gen- essentially want to do it, but they have to legally. Like it sounds like when you're running your own race in your circumstance, there's more freedom and more space and less like pressure, I guess. You, would that be fair enough in saying it allows you to I think it's a different kind of pressure. Yeah. Cause you have to kind of like apply it to yourself or nothing's going to ever come out, you know? Um, yeah. I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be on a major, like that kind of pressure would be a different realm. (laughs) Yeah. I'd imagine it would be. So what, um, so you said you got stuff coming up next year. You got, obviously the album just released you got some more shows uh what oh you got more music coming out next year as well or can you give us a sneak peek as to what's coming up at all yeah we're gonna plan on doing some singles and there's a couple tours in the works that i can't uh state right out because we're still figuring them out but they're really fun opportunities that i hope we uh get to see through by the spring it's exciting and i gotta ask dan put us in touch i gotta ask from your perspective how do you two uh, know each other have you have you associated on like online or how did you two originally start communicating because i'll shout out to you dan i appreciate what you do mate you'll never hear me be nice to you privately but publicly you go all right so how do you two know each other um i know uh he is a big proponent of the cyanotic sound and he's one of those cool people that just like, yeah, this guy gets it, you know, and he just, all his cultural references, uh, align completely with mine. Uh, and he's usually in our Facebook group, putting up a good Arnold meme or Simpsons meme from the better seasons. Yeah, the fifteen backwards—they're uh, the best ones, in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, just always uh, uh, one of those people that like, yeah, these are the people that kind of propagate this stuff, continuing to exist. Dan's definitely one of them, man. Like, just like a guy that gets it that I would hang out with 
if he weren't in another country. <laughs> yeah, actually, it has been a while. So I used to work with him in one of the coal mines up near Newcastle, and I haven't seen him for a number of years. But yeah, he, I'm the same. Like he's always talking about like Simpsons and pop culture and stuff. So shout out to you, Dan. You are, you're a nice fella. And shout out, Dan. Keep on, keep <laughs> on. <laughs> so um, also going forward. Uh, got some exciting things happening uh, next year. I was curious to know. I always like asking this question to artists. If you weren't doing this, what you're doing now, have you given any thought as to what your life might have been like if you weren't influenced in music in such a way, or any idea what you'd be doing for for a crust? I have no idea. <laughs> I've thought about it, and uh, you know, I've had to accept it uh, in certain realms as I get older. Of like, well, what the hell am I? supposed to do like uh, i'm 40 and i don't know really much about like the reality of you know i've had i've had jobs uh but this has been kind of the main pursuit since you know i mean i think our first tour i was 19 so more than half my life <laughs> Um, yeah, and I have no clue. I think I'd be trying to, you know, probably pursuing, you know, some kind of, uh, I don't know. I think audio always kind of struck me and I don't know what else I'd be doing because I haven't, I'm not really that good at anything else. <laughs> No, if you know what you like and then, you know, and you obviously you, you've navigated it in a successful way. So I love hearing that sort of thing. Hey, I've got no idea what I'd be doing. I'll just drive big dump trucks and get fatter and balder. It's great. I'm enjoying life. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another question for you that's just sort of off the cuff. If you could, like, plan your next two or three years and uh, someone said to you, okay, you can choose from a list of people that you'd like to work with. Who is someone or some people that you'd like to work on a project with? And what do you think it might entail? Who's someone that you sort of have always aspired mm. to do it, like collab with or something like that? Well, we've been able to collaborate with a lot of our heroes in the past. And I'm really thankful for that. But going forward, boy, I'm not so sure. I mean, they'd be such like, they'd be such long shots. It'd be like, well, these people, most of the, most of my big influences are pretty much retired now. Um, I mean, there's ones in film. We definitely like to try to get involved with before the end of time. Um, some of the B movie greats like Jeffrey Combs of reanimator. Uh, but boy, that's a question, man. That's loaded. Uh, I occasionally, I I occasionally have a spark of brilliance every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some of, man, I mean, Godflesh, that's a band that I grew up loving, that I've been a big fan of, and that there's been talk of a collaboration there. So that's something that I really hope I can hammer out in the next couple of years. That yeah. seems like a possibility. Yeah, cool. I am all just putting out in the universe. I would love to sit down and have a chat with Kevin Smith. Uh, people, you know, say what they want about his movies, but I think as a podcaster, 
I enjoy his movies personally, but I think as a podcaster and as an entertainer, he's funny as he talks pop culture, Mark Bernardin as well. But I know, oh, yeah. I know that'll probably never happen, but just putting it out there in the universe. I was also a big fan of the show Scrubs and I got to appear on the fake doctor's real friends podcast. And I made Zach Braff and Donald Faison laugh hysterically for 15 minutes. So I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And I just, yeah, I, I always like talking to fellow creatives and sort of people that, you know, for lack of a better term, have to market themselves and got to, you know, march at their own fife, I guess you could say. And I always like hearing what people would like to do and how they go about things. And, and this is another loaded question I like to ask artists as well. And if you were sort of looking, listening through the prism of someone out there who might be a little bit nervous to start things off, someone who might be a, a musician looking to maybe take that next step, how would you or what advice would you give to them so they could start their journey and hopefully have a successful career like you've had? Is there any sort of wisdom you can pass on? I think it's kind of about getting over that fear of failure initially. And uh, if you can get past those first few songs that you know aren't going to be great and just kind of keep finessing the craft, uh, hopefully it can end up resonating. So I think the fear of failure kills a lot before it starts anything. Uh, and yeah, just being able to kind of embrace failure uh, will get you past the points that, you know, you might not want to necessarily, the hurdles that you might not necessarily want to cross, but you'll feel better getting through them. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, just keep going, keep creating, you know. You're not keep ever, on keeping on. Keep on keeping. <laughs> well, I saw a, I saw a thing at... Um, at work the other day there's a little like um positivity poster it says never give up and it says and it's a quote from colonel sanders he said he never started kfc till when he was in his 60s so keep going <laughs> if you're out there um and even if you don't succeed like it's fun if you if it's something that you enjoy doing me personally when i do this it, I, i'll get a little bit of my sanity back and you sort of you forget sometimes the rat race of life things get busy but to your core, if it's something that you enjoy doing, then all you know, make time for it. I'll, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Oh yeah, totally, man. Like if it's fifteen minutes a day where you're just in front of a digital audio workstation, going, well, I guess I'll just sequence out a techno beat and try to add some stuff on it. You know, that's more than a lot of people who just think about it. You know, it's better to just work on it and chip it away. Like, what you know, make time for what you love. 100%. Agree with you 100% totally. And um, I'll have to finish up shortly because I've got a bit of running around to do today. But if um, if people wanted to find your music or get involved in some of the great works that you, you're doing, how can people find you? Uh, well, uh, glitchmode.com. Uh, would lead you directly to our band camp where most of the things are pay what you want. Yep. And uh, there's the glitch mode recordings, YouTube, and uh, that's the general. I don't think I have a Twitter account anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah. We'd have to pay for it if we had one. 
<laughs> right? I mean, like, and we'd have to call it X. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> Formerly nah. Twitter. Yeah. Nah. Um, but yeah, the the glitchmode.com is usually the most direct way. Uh, if you're on Facebook, the Sci Glitchmodians group, uh, that seems to be a really active uh, community of fans and friends and sharing a lot of good, you know, goofy content. Simpsons memes and whatnot. <laughs> Lots. Lots. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's my kind of people. And I'll, I'll include links to all those in the bio, but um, I know it's been a quick episode today and I do apologize, but if, uh, if any of your fans are listening or uh, those who may have just recently come across your music and are enjoying it, is there anything that you'd like to say to those who have helped you had a successful career for a for a few decades thus far? Yeah, I mean, I am eternally thankful because uh, when we got into this, we didn't really know what was going to happen or if it was just going to be a lark that lasted a few months and it just took off thanks to, you know, the people. I, I wouldn't be doing this without the people that have been really loyal to us. And uh, yeah, I'm just eternally grateful to the people that enjoy all the angry robot music we've put out over the years. I do like the sound of more angry robots in my life. Hell yeah. And um, <laughs> as I said, everyone, uh, I'll include the links to the Facebook group, the YouTube the website in the bio. And um, I want to thank you all for listening in, Sean. Thanks for coming on. I know we've sort of been talking about it the last couple of weeks and it's hard sometimes to line up when you're halfway across the world, but it was nice to finally sit down and have a chat with you, man. And moving forward, I look forward to having you back on again in some near future if you're up for it. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I enjoyed this very much. That's good. I might do an episode with yourself and Dan will just shoot the shit and talk about The Simpsons if you want. That'll be fun. (laughs) Hey, I'm down, man. Sounds good. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, I'm grateful, and I hope you're all well, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.